yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a hustler, baby. I'm a hustler, yeah. baby. I know heartbreaks, setbacks. Bitch, if I crap out, I'm sure I'ma get back. I've been through the ups and downs, you know I get around. So to me, it's all a part of the game. If I ain't the cold man or the dope man, I'm almost for sure, man. I gotta take it, no need to say shit. I'm gon' take it. Robberies turn homicide, it's nothing to play with. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Gary A. Swaby, and you're now listening to the Powercast. And we will be recapping uh, Raising Canaan episode eight. And the episode was called The Cost of Doing Business. Um, I'm here with Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. How are you doing, Rich? Doing good, Gary. What's up, listeners and viewers? What's up, indeed? And I'm also here with Miss Dana Abercrombie. How are you, Dana? I'm doing wonderful. Excited to talk about this somewhat emotionally depressing episode. <laughs> yep. Uh, emotional indeed. Um, I think we, we all kind of talked about this, um, you know, after we watched it. And I think we all agreed that this was a really good episode, like in terms of suspense, drama, acting and everything. Like, I, I think, you know, this was a great episode. So mm-hmm. go ahead, Rich. Yeah, I, in my uh, personal opinion, I will make the argument that this is probably the best episode of the entire season. But again, you know, mm-hmm. that's just my opinion. And we still have a couple episodes to go. But yeah, this is a phenomenal episode. So looking forward to this discussion. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, um, as usual, we're going to go go around the, the, the circle here and uh, give our takeaways, you know, our personal takeaways Um you know, that we each had of this episode. And then uh, we're going to end it off by us asking some questions and having some dialogue about, you know, what we think might happen next and everything like that. Um, But, you know, before we start, I just want to remind everyone to please um, comment, like, and subscribe if you enjoy, you know, um, listening to or watching the show, you know, whether it's on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, um, and, you know, anywhere that you might listen, uh, please do leave your comments and, and hit the like button, subscribe, you know, hit the bell and everything like that. Um, and, and just let us know your, your general feedback. Um, and also, you know, chime in on some of the discussions that we have about raising Canaan, because that does keep us going. It lets us know that you are engaged in the show and that people do enjoy it. And, you know, um, we do this for free. We don't get paid to do this. So um, it's always nice to know that, you know, people appreciate this. So uh, definitely do that. Um, so, yeah, um, let's get to the takeaways and I will go first this week. Um, so I just want to begin by, you know, popping our color a little bit here because um, a few of the predictions we made in earlier episodes came true in this episode. So I just want to, you know, highlight um, a few of these things. So. You know, number one, we saw uh, Raquel. She she came to the aid of the store owner, the store owner's wife. Um, and we see, you know, at the top of the episode, she actually uh, takes out the, the husband. Um, and, you know, uh, obviously the wife sets him up. You know, she gets him outside the house and then Raquel is like in the shed or whatever. And, you know, she ends up shooting him. And of course, you know, she has a motive for doing this because she's trying to uh, get connected with, you know, the, the, the lady's uh, cousin. Uh, and we see that play out in this episode. But we did, you know, predict, predict that um, something like this was going to happen. 
early on. So I just wanted to bring that up. And then also, you know, Howard used the fallout from the whole drug fiasco um, as leverage to to get closer to Canaan. And we haven't seen the results of that yet, but um, we saw that he had a conversation with Raquel um, and, you know, he made it clear that he, he has something on Canaan that, you know, he could use to, um, you know, to uh, to punish him, basically, and, you know, have him arrested. Or um, So, you know, he kind of used that as leverage for her to kind of um, ease, ease Canaan into the conversation and let him know that he's the father. And some interesting things were revealed in that conversation, too, you know, um, like for instance, uh, Defcon um, Raquel claims that you know he he wasn't into women, um, and that that was just a cover, basically. Um, so yeah, and she was just playing her part and everything like that. So that was an interesting revelation. And then also um, Raquel lied about her age. Um, I remember we had a commenter say that uh, Raquel was only fifteen when uh she was with Howard and everything. So this explains why, because she, she said she was 17 or 18 or something 17. when she got with Howard. Yeah. What was it? 17? Yeah, right. she, yeah. she was thick, but she was 16. Yeah, she was 15, I think. Um, no, she was, and, six, she was 16. Yeah, 16. Really? She lied and said she was 17. Yeah. Oh, I thought, I and thought it, I But she 15. was with DEFCON when she was 15. But him and DEFCON never slept together because DEFCON was gay. I remember that was the the argument that they had. Okay, I I, I swore I heard fifteen, but um, but yeah, yeah, she was with just... Defcon, but but nothing, no relationships. Uh, okay, happened. well, yeah, you know, um, so she lied about her age, and that's why uh, Howard, obviously, you know, he uh, slept with her, and and that resulted in Canaan being born. Um, so that was an interesting, you know, conversation between them because it kind of goes back to their history and everything. Um, so, and we haven't obviously seen any of that, you know, so it was, it was cool to get that understanding finally. Um, and then, you know, also we've, we've had a lot of dialogue about jukebox and, you know, what kind of pushes her into the life of, uh, becoming a, a, a cop, um, and later on a crooked cop. And I think we, we got the first inkling of this um, in this episode, you know, when uh, the, the reality finally hits her what, of what killed Nicole and she's talking to Kanan about it. And, you know, um, Kanan is obviously disturbed by it when he finds out that, you know, it was his thing that uh, led to her death. But um, interestingly, Jukebox isn't mad at him. And she instead, you know, says that, um, you know, it's the environment, it's the place they live that's, you know, the, uh, the the real cause of what happened. And I think that moment is when, you know, um, it, it kind of sinks in that something needs to change in their lifestyle and where they live. And maybe, you know, uh, that will be the catalyst of her later on uh, becoming a, a, a police officer to try and help things. Uh, we know that eventually she becomes crooked, but maybe before that, her intentions are genuine and she actually wants to solve, you know, um, some issues as a police officer. Um, and, you know, um, I'm going to also stick to my prediction and say that um, I think it will be the woman officer, the woman detective that um, kind of 
pushes her in that direction. I think they're going to have some more dialogue together later on. And that might, you know, help her make that decision, I guess. So, yeah, just three things there I wanted to highlight that were based on predictions. Um, and then I wanted to talk about Marvin, you know, who's like my favorite character in the show, uh, or one of them at least, you know. Um, so it, it was interesting to hear Raquel talk about his past in this episode because she said that, you know, he was once hooked on drugs and, you know, this was while he was selling the drugs, but so he was getting high on his own supply and um, that led to problems and that led to him getting locked up. Um, and that, you know, that was interesting to hear, but I, I, I think that the Marvin of today or, you know, the current version of Marvin is smarter than he looks. Um, and, you know, there's a scene in this where uh, obviously after the fallout and everything between him and Raquel, he goes to uh, the club owner, Tony, to try and get some money or whatever. And she's constantly, you know, asking him, oh, what, what, what's the money for? Tell me what the money was for. And we see that she has a recorder. So she's trying to set him up. But um, Marvin doesn't fall for it. And I'm wondering if he actually knows that she's trying to trap him. Uh, because, you know, I mean, obviously this is like a street intuition as well. It's like, you know, not to answer direct questions because anyone could be listening or anyone could be recording you. But um, yeah, he he's definitely smart. He's, he's aware, he's alert, you know, and then he uh, he's always the one, if you notice, that rescues someone. He rescued Kanan earlier in this season. And then at the end of this, you know, we see he he's able to rescue his brother. So that shows that, you know, he, he, he might make mistakes. Um, he might do bad things with, you know, letting Kanan be a part of the, the new drug operation or whatever. Uh, that was probably a bad decision on his part. But, you know, um, he is smart and he he does care enough to to look out for his people. So I like that kind of duality of the character where he makes mistakes, but he's also smart and he, he also does care. So I like seeing that he has those layers. Um, and I'm sure those layers are going to be tested um, at a later stage with him and Jukebox because their, their relationship needs to be explored because we don't really see them uh, uh, together much. But I do think that is going to happen where we're going to get some sort of scene between those two. So, so yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. And, um, uh, yeah. And just to, uh, trail off of that, I'm wondering if him saving Lulu is going to be enough for Raquel to excuse him and kind of bring him back into the fold as well. Um, cause you know, obviously she was very upset that he, you know, he allowed Kanan to do what he did, but um, the fact that, you know, Lulu could have easily, you know, um, and we, we don't know, we don't know if Lulu survived, of course, but, um, you know, because he, he could be gone, you know, we, we, we don't know. But, uh, but I wonder if, you know, him rescuing Lulu possibly will be enough for Raquel to excuse him and bring him into the fold, if that's the case. 
So uh, that's going to be interesting to see. And then I also wonder if uh, if it's really over between Lulu and Jessica because they sort of had like a little breakup in this episode where Lulu discovered that, you know, this all she cares about is Famous's career and I guess the money that they could get from it and everything. Um, so it seems like she's really in it for that opportunity. Um, and, you know, that's kind of all she talks about. And Lulu really wanted to just let his hair down in this episode and just disconnect himself from, from everything. But she didn't allow him that opportunity. So um, obviously we saw they had that little argument. And I wonder if that's going to be a permanent thing or if they if they will possibly get back together if Lulu turns out to be okay. So, yeah, those are my takeaways. Um, and I'm going to pass it over to Dana now. So, Dana, what are your takeaways? Pass the mic. Um, the mic. Yeah. No, I had some of the things that were similar to you, but I came to slightly different conclusions. Um, one of the things that I fully find myself, I genuinely hate voiceovers. I feel that, you know, it becomes too preachy and instead of guiding the, the audience, it just tells them everything. However, I think Power is one of, Raising Canaan is one of the few shows that actually gets it correct. Uh, one of the things that opened up with, you know, the whole grandmother or the mother kind of story that always says that anytime something that seems unbearable happens, it goes back to, you know, God can't give you more than what you can handle. But it, it ends in saying by saying it changes you forever in ways that can never turn back. And I think that was a very impactful because we opened up with, um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on her name. It opened up with a jukebox. Sorry. It opened up with jukebox at the guest funeral memorial for Nicole. And it just shows the impact of her death and how it had, what it had on her. And I think that this episode kind of agreeing with what you said is that turning point where we see how or why she became a cop. You know, we do know that she becomes crooked later on, but I think that she really in this moment has good intentions and it not, it's not to say that, oh, the people who sell drugs are bad and the people who use the drugs are bad. It's to say the environment in which people are in creates these situations that lead to their downfall, that leads to a person selling crack and leads to a person taking it. And this is what I believe and will go on with later how she ends up maybe befriending or becoming a mentor, or mentor, mentoree, I'm not sure the name, but the, the mentoree of the, the female cop whose name I can't remember because I just can't remember anything. Uh, so I thought that was very impactful with that, that whole situation with her trying to just grieve. The entire episode was her grieving. And I think Haley, who's the actress who plays Jukebox, this was a phenomenal episode with her. You know, it truly showed what grief does to a person and how it can change them. And this also reflected upon Kanan because the Kanan that we know in the future is this kind of hardcore, show no emotion, I'm gonna go kill my own son situation where we see him genuinely feel sadness and regret for what happened with the drugs and and this was a moment when i truly thought that this was going to be the breaking of their friend of the, well their relationship of their you know them they're very close with each other and i thought this is what's going to impact them and in fact maybe it's one of those situations that maybe brings them closer together we do know in the future that marvin throws her out of the house and that it is canaan 
who kind of gives her a place and, and sets her straight. Um, we're not going to get that, I don't believe, in this season, but we'll get that later down the up, down the line in the other seasons. And we we'll kind of see that this is what probably makes them closer. Uh, so I really like the, how they set that whole situation up. One of the things I wanted to mention is Symphony at this point is basically Bubbles from The Wire. And what I mean by that is remember how Bubbles was the informant and he just observed everything around him and he just knew what was going on? Not to say he's running to the cops, but the fact that Symphony was in the bar or a club, you know, cleaning out the glasses and serving the drinks when she noticed that the, the girl whose name I cannot remember, who was with... Well, yeah, Tony. So when he was to see that Tony was talking to the cops and Tony was trying to get it on record and that they was just waiting for some type of information and that she has a record that they could easily arrest her on. You know, I think in order to not to say get back in with Raquel because he's already in, but to prove his loyalty to not just Raquel, but the family overall, he has that information that he can then go and, and say to Raquel. I don't see Tony living. Uh, many, many episodes. Just the simple fact of how the, the dog that died in the first season, the first episode, basically. And she's running around trying to be like, uh, I can get all these, you know, trying to turn over evidence on, um, oh, God, I'm Marvin. Marvin. When in actuality, you know, it, she has, she talks too much and she thinks she's untouchable. And so Symphony, who's the guy in the corner no one's really paying attention to, he has all of the evidence and all the information that he needs where she's going to just basically die at this point. So I, I approve of that. Another thing that really interests me was the fact that, you know, we had the whole situation with DEFCOM and DEFCOM is actually was gay and was used as a cover and a front. And that, again, multiple layers of a character, a character that we don't even see because technically he's dead. So that kind of reminded me of, rest in peace, Omar, who from The Wire, Omar was a gay character who was feared on the streets and he had so many different layers to him. And for this character who we, is dead and we never get to see with DEFCOM, you, you're showing me the layers and the fact that he isn't um, Kanan's son, but raised him as his son as a cover. But I do believe there was genuine love there as well. So I really like that whole dynamic that they're they're doing there. Um, uh, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely just want to say rest in peace to Michael K. Williams. You know, mm -hmm. since you brought Omar up and everything. So yeah, big big rest in peace. To big him. big rest in peace to him. Um, also, we're really interesting. Maybe it's just me being extra and reading too much into this. Kanan, that we do know in the future, he dies by a cop, and I found it really interesting a parallel that his father is a cop, so he's born by a cop, died by a cop. So I kind of like how they did that, even if I don't know if that was intentional or not. I really like how they you could draw a parallel to that. I did that and think they did very well. The part with Marvin, here's where I disagree with you, Gary. I think that was very important that they said that Marvin was originally a drug addict that he was so caught up into the drugs that he was selling. He was trying to sell to the cops, like, hey, you want something? You know, completely out of it and and not aware of what he was doing, and that's why he went to prison. Marvin had a really bad day. And it's not just a bad day, it's a bad string of events that could affect his future. You had um, Raquel basically disowning him over the whole situation about him not just selling 
the blue cap pills, which we found out was cut wrong or too strong. And I'll get back to that because there's an interesting fact about that. But it was cut too strong. But you also have the fact that it involved her son. And she's very protective of Kanan. And it was very interesting that in the conversation with the two brothers, while they was arguing, I think it was with the, with the conversation between those two, was that, you know, he came to the realization that he has no problem with killing his, his Raquel would have no problem killing her brother to protect her son. She definitely wouldn't kill her son. Um, and so I really feel that between that and the fact that you had um, Lulu caught in that fire and we don't know whether or not he lives or he dies, but the fact you have that and it was just compacted with everything being disowned. My brother may now be dead. I wonder if he will go back to the drugs because they made such an important fact of bringing that up. And all it takes is just that one bad day. And we've seen what happened with Nicole, that one bad day and the, the parents just, you know, nagging at her, nagging at her. And all she did was that one hit and then she's dead. And it's not to say that she's going to die, but more of the fact to say that maybe he can easily go back into being on drugs again. And I thought that was very important that they brought up. Um, another thing with Lulu that I wanted to bring up was he did an interview with The Hollywood Reporter. And they was asking about the character of Lulu. And he compared himself to Michael Colleone. And he stated that he's really tired of this game situation. He's tired of the drug life. And that he really wants to get out. Now, he could have been alluding to maybe he dies in this or alluding to the fact that he lives. And this is such an impactful moment for him because if you go back to the opening monologue and which it says it forever changes you in ways where you can never turn back, he could just be done with this. I don't know whether or not he was shot, but we do know because of the fumes, he completely, he's passed out. We don't know if he's dead because of the, the smoke inhalation. So I think that this... <clears throat> is a turning point for both brothers and this now will probably not to say alienate Raquel but she does not have many resources that we've seen I think it was really important that they showed her connection to Juliana's brother and that she killed Gabriel so now she has that backing but overall in the larger scope she does not have that kind of connection she's not someone who is immensely feared in this life that we see. So I wonder if both brothers, if they move away from this or one dies, how that will affect her overall. So there's a lot of things at play and also the situation with Davina, I think we both called it, where it's like, where's her mama? No one knew anything about the mother situation. Oh, she's gone and she's really gone for a long time and she's kind of forced to take care of her younger sister. And now we know that Sorry, she's now with the CPS took her and she's in foster care. I'm really interested in learning what happens to that. Kanan seems like the kind of person who's like, even if he wasn't sexually attracted to Davina, they have that relationship where they've known each other since kindergarten. So I wonder what he's willing to do in order to kind of get her out of that situation. Will we see him, you know, say, come and live with me uh, where we'll take you into the house and, you know, that kind of way. Or is he's going to just always be looking out for her and he's going to go search, search for her? Because she is in a foster home, but she could easily be taken to another foster home. We hear those stories all the time, bounced around 
from different foster homes. So I wonder where that is going to lead him. But overall, this was a very impactful episode. I thought it was extremely strong. I think I would have to say it was one of their best. I, I, I want some Emmy nominations for Bettina Miller and for Haley, who plays Jukebox. So I was very pleased. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jukebox uh, and Bettina Miller, they're, they're, they're definitely, like, carrying this show, like, in terms of the acting and everything. So they're, they're doing a great job. Um, and, yeah, uh, great, great, uh, great takeaways there. Um, a lot of this stuff, uh, I do have questions about, you know, some of the things you raised. So we're definitely going to get back into that shortly. Um, but, yeah, Richard, uh, let's go with your takeaways right now. Uh, let me start by saying, yes, rest in peace to Michael K. Williams. I'm glad that you both mentioned that because, uh, yeah, it's, I did not expect that news. It's very tragic, but uh, hope that his family finds peace. Um, so um, in regards to this episode, I think you both have given some excellent takeaways uh, already. There's a couple of things that I did want to mention. So let me start off with the fact uh, one of my takeaways begins with Lulu. Uh, this episode, uh, Lulu was making some power moves for himself. So I find it very interesting what Dana mentioned about the interview, because you can see it. You know, we didn't really bring up the fact that he had the uh, conversation with Crown Camacho and pretty much leveraged that loan into a partnership that he because he was paying for all this stuff. So that was a very smart move for him to do that. You know, obviously, I think there could be tension that builds between him and Crown because Crown was like, well, I have these two singles coming out. That's when I'll pay you back. And no, he said, no, this needs to be a partnership. And he has full control of that situation now. Like he says, Crown has no leverage at all, so he has full control. That could mean that there could still be conflict later between those two. But I appreciate the fact that this is a character that really wants to really go after stuff for himself. And to go to another point that Dana made, um, in this episode, uh, which I agree with what Dana said specifically about the brothers, because... And, the, and there was a point in this episode where, you know, we can talk about how she exposed Marvin, talked about his past, but she also had that conversation with Lulu at the beginning of the episode and was like, well, you was in a sit down with Unique. So are you sure that you wouldn't turn your back on me? And just the thought of that made him so angry. You could see, you know, why, why question his loyalty when he's always been there? So... I feel that Raquel is definitely putting herself in a situation where you're trying to alienate and isolate yourself from your family and you need them now because of all the stuff that's happening. The stuff with Howard, the fact that he knows that Kanan was involved and told Rock after their conversation, now I need to talk to Kanan and you can't stop that from happening. So it's, it's, it's a very, you know, she, she definitely needs her brothers there, you know, for, for, for support as well. And to stay, to go back to what happened with Lulu in this episode is that after he had that conversation with, with, with Rock, you saw later in the episode that she had called him to do a job saying that it was time, time to get to work. And he said, no, I'm off. He didn't tell her this. He heard her on, on the voicemail. Then he said, oh, no, I'm off tonight, Rock. And then after that, that's when Unique's crew pulled up and set his house afire. By the way, I want to make this comment. I know we haven't mentioned this on this show. I have to say, fantastic music on this show. I'm a huge fan of old school music. 
So when they started playing Footsteps in the Dark by the Isley Brothers, I said, yeah, this this show, the soundtrack is on point. Every episode, excellent music. Um, so yeah, I wanted to make, make mention of that. But yeah, all the stuff with Lulu in this episode, I thought it was really great because it shows that he's really trying to be independent and pursue this other stuff outside of the gang lifestyle. One little thing that I will say, though, there was one scene in this episode where Unique went to a hotel, Lulu followed him, paid the, uh, you know, the, the bellhop to give him Unique's key and took his jacket, took took Unique's jacket out of, out of the back, out of the back of his car. We didn't see what the payoff of that was yet. So that's why I'm very curious to see what happens moving forward. And, and I, I do, I believe that, uh, Lulu survived. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure he survived, but obviously, you know, this experience is going to definitely change him in, in ways that, like you both alluded to, it's going to definitely have a change on him moving forward. I mean, I'm pretty sure he'll want revenge, but it, it, it also is going to, I feel, change his mindset and say, you know what, I really need to get out of this game sooner or later. Will he get out or we'll have to wait and see and find out? Um, one other point I want to mention now, and I'm going to jump to my other takeaway about Marvin. I think the both of you already touched on a lot of the same stuff I wanted to say. One thing that Dana said, though, I agree with 100% in the fact that I don't believe that they brought up his past just to completely ignore it. The stuff about him being hooked on drugs uh, and the fact that he was selling to the police and the fact that it became such a, a major issue, I don't want to see that happen to the character, but I would not be surprised if it did happen because obviously Marvin has a lot of things he's going to have to deal with. And, and, and Gary, while I do agree that what happened with him saving uh, Lulu could help his case. I, I kind of feel like Raquel at this point, they would have a conversation, but she just wants to completely cut him out entirely. And I think that that's not going to change those circumstances. So we saw when he, when that situation happened and when he did get cut out, he went back to Tony, like you both mentioned. He was wise not to say any information to her, but the question is, what, how is he going to find his outlet if he's cut out from, you know, working with Raquel? Um, what is he going to do now to basically continue to survive out here? And that's the question that you have to ask yourself moving forward. Yes, there's a lot of stuff that he still has to address with Jukebox. He actually has to be a father in her life because we haven't really seen too much of him doing any of that so far in this show. Um, so a lot of that stuff, I feel they still do have to address. But the whole fact about him possibly getting hooked back on drugs, I think that could happen because we haven't seen that before. We've seen him, you know, try to do what he has to do to survive. And then the whole thing with Kanan's idea with the, you know, starting up the, the whole highway drug, drug thing. Yeah, that was successful up until a point. But the thing is, is that it, what we've seen is at least from Marvin so far is yes, he's made some mistakes, but he still has been able to try to retaliate and try to do something to turn it around. So just that's why I say we haven't we've seen him make mistakes. We haven't seen him at his absolute worst. And I feel as though that line was put in there to kind of give you a hint that that could potentially happen. Like I said, I don't want to see that happen. Um, but it has happened on quite a bit of shows in, that we have spoken about in the past. I know The Sopranos, it did happen in The Sopranos, you know, so we'll see what happens. Um, as far as any other takeaways, I, I kind of feel like y'all touched on a lot of a lot of things. 
I'll say about Kanan in this episode, yeah, it feels like he's really starting to understand some of the bad decisions that he has made. But it's you're also starting like like, like while we can talk about this episode being a really emotional episode for jukebox and or having to deal with Nicole and all the fallout of all of that. It also was emotional for Kanan because he got a chance to see just how bad hit the, the decision was to sell that product. The fact that Nicole died and then you probably go to Davina for support and you see Davina's not there, you know, so that I kind of feel like this is a turning point for both of the characters. They've already had things pretty tough. But it is going to get a lot tougher, uh, and and this is how this all begins. So, um, very curious to see what happens next week. Uh, yeah, but overall, like I said, a fantastic episode. Um, it, it it really was a lot of suspense in the episode from the very beginning to the very end. You were questioning what was going to happen, and then all this the juicy secrets revealed throughout the entire episode that to me that's good tv that's good storytelling and that's why i think it was one of by far easily one of the best episodes they've had so far this season i think david's gonna say something and yeah, just a little thing because it, it was with me for a while um it was a tiny details that they put in the show remember when howard was talking to one of the addicts about the crack and you know getting information about the blue pill capsule thing the bad ones he was chewing on a plastic knife and that's what addicts do he couldn't stop fidgeting with it in his mouth and i was like this is perfect how they nailed just the tiniest little details with that it wasn't something that was a throwaway that's what addicts do so that that little part right there, and also interesting, nobody brought up the fact that they went to the strip club, and um, got the guy yeah. who yeah. basically yeah. ratted out uh, Kanan. I forgot about that part too. There were so many different parts that that I thought that was very significant, and I wonder will they go back and revisit that because someone had Howard went and was like, well, someone told me, so yeah. I wonder and, will that, yeah. And that and it made sense for it to be that character because last week. He didn't take too kindly to Kaden's comment about, hey, listen, you wouldn't be working if it was, this was my idea. You wouldn't be working if it mm-hmm. wasn't for me getting you in on this. And he looked at him kind of funny. And then when it got exposed and Marvin was asking questions, he was very quick to say, hey, this is, Kanan did all of this. So yeah, mm-hmm. it made sense for that character to be the one to say, yeah, he's the one that did it. So yeah, I, I thought about that too. Would that come back on him? We'll have to wait and see for sure. And, and- but, no, oh, and one more thing, really quickly. The fact that they explained the reason why, you know, the the ones the, the drug that like killed seven to fifteen people, it kept changing. Whomever you spoke to, the number was different. Like it killed seven people. No, it's fifteen. It's ten. Anyway, so the reason how they explained that and how this would be a really great thing that happened to drug addicts in the sense that I thought that this was going to be really terrible. Remember how Kanan had that great regret from last episode, how they were explaining that all of the addicts is going to be really excited for this because it gets them to that highest point of high. 
-hmm. and how they think that they're able to overcome that. And it was really interesting, you know, have to go back to the Omar situation. And also there was another comedian. There was three, there was four people who overdosed because they was given fentanyl laced drugs. And it basically is to say that you reach that, it gets to that very highest point of high. And because you're in that drug addict mindset, you don't think that it will kill you. And so instead of having that deterrent power of, oh my gosh, 15 or 20 of my friends are died from this one thing, they actually run more towards it. So that is to show you the crack, the, the, the addiction, not just crack, but the addiction mentality of people, how they will, they're willing to run and get this, even though, you know, it may look, remember we had this whole thing where basically a war broke out because they kept thinking that it was one person was trying to frame the other one. That's the whole, one of the big reasons behind why Unique went and firebombed Mar Marvin's place. Yeah. You know, there was that whole discussion, but, to the addict's mind, that's something that's really great for them. So I really loved how they put that in there. So it was just a little tiny details that you're not fully aware of that they played exceptionally well. So end of rant. That was good. Oh yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that 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 stuff is deep for sure. Um, but yeah, serious themes in this episode. But uh, you guys all, you know, you, you both raised a lot of great points. Um, so that leads to a lot of interesting questions now. So, yeah, we are going to get into our questions segment. Um, and I have so many, you know, ones that I, I can't wait to hear your answers for. I don't even know which one to ask first, but I'll go with this one, you know, just because it's how the episode ends. You know, I'll, I'll start on this one. So. Do you think um, Uncle Lulu is still alive? And, um, you know, what is, you know, how is, if, if he does recover, how do you see him, uh, you know, reacting to what has happened, you know, if he does make a recovery from it? So um, I'll go to you first, Dana. What do you think? Always me. I honestly don't know. I'm Jen. That's why I was making the faces because I'm torn right now. I have two conflicting thoughts. One is that this is something that was so terrible and horrific that you would want to get completely out of the game, right? But if you go back on the whole Michael Colleon uh, quote that he gave the Hollywood Reporter, Michael was way deep into the game at this point. Remember, he was the smart, calculated one. While Fredo was busy running around, ratting out on people and then and, and showing his behind, he was the calculated one who always had the plans and knew how to set the paces and knew what to do. So with that being said, he could easily be the one who, if he does live, he retaliates. But he retaliates smartly, not just, I'm going to go and shoot up your house like a crazy person who don't have neighbors. He can do it in a way that's really smart and he can make it hurt. And I don't mean by hurt as in physical pain, but you know how you come after someone else and see that's him right now. Sorry. Oh, that's that's the fire department, right? They're coming to to save Lulu. <laughs> Sorry. So um basically he can do this very smart. Where it's not going away, I'm so sorry, but he can do this very smart where he finds a way to get back at Joey. Well, they're unique. And, and, and so that will actually cripple him and his business. Or you could say that he'll just completely walk away. But if you put on the writer's hat and even the viewer's hat, that's not really something that you want. 
You don't want someone to say, peace out, I'm gone, bye. You want that more attention and that drama and the story to build. And I do feel that unique right now is the role of Wesley Snipes in New Jack City. Nico, was it Nico? I can't remember. I've seen that a thousand years ago. Nino. Nino. I was kind of close. Nino Brown. Nino Brown. So you see him kind of as like that big Nino Brown, or you could even say Omar a little, a little bit, where he's like the big of that block. He's considered the big great one, right? With the grandma who can actually hear everything. So you would want him to live so that he can get that downfall that he's basically wishing upon others because remember that last monologue that he gave that he said at the table remember that was at that diner was wait we're gonna this is gonna be Raquel's great downfall I think that could be shadowing his downfall you know that whole thing of what you wish upon other people is actually what's gonna happen to you so I would want him to live and I would want him to retaliate but smartly so that's that's my answer okay um, yeah, interesting take there. Um, and how about you, Richard? How do you see this panning out with Lulu? Uh, I think Lulu will survive. Uh, when uh, this all happened, you know, I think um, part of me was thinking about, you know, I don't like to compare, but I, I am going to compare in this instance. I, a part of me was thinking about uh, Power Book 2 Ghost. And they had Drew on that show who was another character that, you know, something happened to the character that made you think, oh, maybe he won't survive. When they had the shootout at the bar, um, yeah. it made you think, oh, this character is probably not going to survive. But then we found out he was okay. I, I think they maybe thought something similar uh, they could do with another character on this show, make you believe the character, you know, suffered tragedy, you know, but because, but the thing is, is that, and I, I mean, yes, you can get taken out at any point in this game. We know that already, but I kind of feel like they, this character, they still have, he still has to get some type of retaliation because the way that they had the last episode and the fact that, you know, he was going back and forth with Unique and and the other guy, his other friend, uh, I believe his name is Warrell. Um, you want to see a payoff of him getting payback on these guys. So it, it would be kind of, it, bittersweet to not see him get that payback if they just killed him off. That's why I said I don't believe that he's dead. And again, to allude to what I mentioned earlier about that whole scene they had in this episode where he actually stole Unique's jacket. Yeah. We didn't really get any uh, further progression on that. And I was trying to wonder if Unique has even acknowledged that, you know, maybe that was one of the other reasons why he decided, well, we're going to go after this guy, Lulu, tonight. I mean, I have no idea because I, I, I didn't because I rewatched the episode. I didn't see any anything in there to allude them mentioning that he did that and how what Unique's reaction was. So, um, yeah, uh, I really, I, I, I would like to be a fly on the wall when he realizes his jacket's missing. Like that, that would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, 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 I, w- I would, I would I'll definitely like to know about that. But uh, they, you know, we we know that at this point, you know. This is a game where now people, you know, right after he gave that warning to Lulu, Unique gave the warning to Lulu in the last episode, now people are going to have to start to make moves. So he made a move in this episode. I, You know, Lulu will probably, you know, I don't know if he's going to be conscious again at the start of the next episode. It may be something that it's a little bit into the episode, but I definitely think he's fine. And they're going to have to try to 
work together, even though, you know, Raquel does not really like Marvin right now. It's going to be very interesting to see how that interaction happens, because, again, they are still family. But she told him that you're not going to be a part of the business. I'll be curious to see how that changes, but they have to work together to be successful. Um, and the last part that I wanted to mention, and this is important as well, it feels as though now, you know, Howard, Detective Howard is now focused on Kanan in the situation with Raquel. It doesn't feel as though he's paying full attention to this ongoing war between Unique and Raquel, et cetera. And for that reason, this is when a lot of chaos, I think, is going to start to happen. What you saw with this whole incident here, because again, he's only thinking about, I need to talk to Kanan. And now I need, you know, that's my son. We have to have a conversation. And Raquel ha has to abide by my rules. I don't think he's paying attention, though, to what's happening with Unique, because we haven't seen him interact with Unique since that second episode. Yeah. So that's why, you know, it's going to be very curious to see what happens now because things are going to start to escalate between those, between both of those groups. So, but yeah, uh, to answer your question though, Gary, I think Lulu's definitely alive and we'll see how things progress next week. Cool. Yeah. I, I also uh, believe he is alive still. Um, you know, I, I think Marvin got to him just in time. Um, so I, I think he'll make it. And like you mentioned, we do need to see what the payoff was of that jacket. Like they wouldn't just put that scene in there for no reason. Like there, there's something behind that. Um, so yeah, I, I think he, he'll survive, but you know, he might be, I don't know, he might be out for an episode. Like he might be, you know, too weak. He might be trying to recover in the next episode and we might not see him um, back in action until the last episode. And, maybe that's when he decides what he's really going to do, like what his, you know, what, uh, you know, whether he's going to like get out the game or whether he's going to retaliate against unique or something. I think that, you know, we'll find out in episode 10, the finale. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yeah, he, he's definitely going to have to, uh, recover for a little bit, I think. Um, and I'm sure, you know, everyone's going to be concerned about him, Raquel, you know, Kanan, Jukebox, everyone. Um, so we'll probably see that in the next episode. Um, and, you know, really the question is, you know, how people will respond to Marvin, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like this might not be enough to excuse him for what he's done. Um, so I, I want to, you know, kind of see how they, how they act towards Marvin knowing what he's done and everything, you know, especially Raquel, she, she's, she's, already got a beef with him um so yeah i want to see what that reaction is going to be um but yeah that's that's pretty much it for that question so uh let's get to some more juicy stuff now um so um i'm gonna go to this one first so in this episode we saw that you know uh there was that tense scene between kanan and raquel where uh, she confronted him about what he did with the blue caps and everything and, and working with Marvin. Um, and there was a lot of things exposed in this conversation. Um, and one of those things was the D Wiz thing. Um, she, she basically admitted to the fact that she had Kanan's friend D Wiz killed because um, Unique wanted, Unique's crew wanted retaliation for uh, Buck, you know, for when Kanan killed Buck. Um, 
And, you know, if, if they didn't take out D Wiz, then it was going to have to be Kanan. So she did that for him, basically. So she, she basically revealed that finally to Kanan. And now he knows the truth. Um, and I want to ask you guys, how do you think Kanan will react now that he knows this? Because, you know, he, we saw him take it in, but I don't think he, he's, uh, put that to rest yet in, in his soul. I think, um, you know, he might respond to this, this new revelation in some way. So I want to ask you guys, uh, do you, do you think, you know, he might do anything, um, erratic now that he knows this truth so i'll go to you first richard what do you think about that so uh, i think dana said it best last week how you look at the dynamic of the first episode the family was in the diner everybody was happy and it, it after watching this episode it feels like everybody is is fractured you know because that whole interaction between canaan and and uh, Raquel, you saw after she told him that Kanan just straight up left. So there's clearly some tension that's there. Um, she knows that Kanan has been doing stuff behind her back, but she always finds out because of other things that has happened. And 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 to, and to be quite honest, it, it makes sense for her to bring up all the stuff that she brought up because of the fact that the the, the decisions that he has made has killed people. It made sense for her to mention the D West stuff. Because again, this is all actions that he has taken that has had consequences on others. So I thought it made sense to, to have that revelation. Um, I Obviously, he didn't like the fact that she admitted to that. Um, and I think that with Kanan moving forward, like he's going to probably still continue to be rebellious and operate the, operates the way that he wants to operate. Yes, he'll probably have a little quick makeup session with, his, with, with Raquel. I mean, that, that's his mother. But I kind of feel like he's still going to have a level of he cannot trust her completely now because of this, because there's a lot of things that have happened when she sees that he is unable to do something or she has to question whether or not he's involved with something. She always, you know, have the mother motherly instinct to say, well, I will take I'll take over and I'll fix this because you've obviously messed things up, which is the exact same dynamic with Marvin. Uh, and, and to an extent, Lulu, because anytime she feels as though they're not doing what they need to do, then she has to step up and take over and make sure things get done correctly. So that's why I say uh, it's obviously it's going to be tension between them. I w- won't say to the extent that he will never talk to her again. I mean, that's his mother. He's living in her house. He doesn't quite have enough money to just move out of the house now and just do his own thing. Could he stay with Marvin? Uh, well, no, I don't know about that. He's still, is he still going to work with Marvin? I think that's a possibility even still, but again, it's hard to know because we'll have to wait to see how things progress next week. But I will say that for sure, the relationship between them is going to be a little bit different now because there's a lot of stuff that Raquel knows she revealed to him in this episode. But what, what, what we see as the audience is that she is a strong character. She's in control. And that's a great thing. The only the only issue is that you have others that because she's in control, she will question whether or not others in her own family are doing what they need to do. And that that's why they, they have some type of uh, they feel a certain type of way about that because they feel as though you're saying you're, you're saying I'm not responsible. I can't get the job done. And we've seen it now with Marvin, Lulu and now Kanan. So I'm curious to see what happens moving forward because of that. 
So we'll see. Hopefully next week we'll get a definitive answer on that. Oh, I'm sure we will. <laughs> but yeah, how about you, Dana? Um, how will Kanan react now that he knows about the Wiz? I think that it comes down between one of two things. And I think that the answer actually comes from the original power. He has the option of either fearing his mother because of just how ruthless she is or by seeing her as an enemy because of how ruthless she is. And in this mindset, you have someone you have the mom who you know you love and he loves and respects and he's going to protect her no matter what. But at the same time, if you look at the way how the arguments and everything that has been going, he feels that he can't grow because of her. He's learning something things. He's learning things in the games that people are admitting is very smart. That whole situation around he set up with the what was it, that Brooklyn Queens thingy where they was doing the selling for the blue cat work product. That whole thing was all his idea, and everyone kind of admitted that was really smart. And the fact that even though what he's doing, yeah, there are times when it backfired immensely, 15, 20 people, whatever number you want to stick to it, died because of that. But the way how he went about it was still smart. And I don't know whether as this continues, he will view her as a threat to what he is capable of being. And why do I say that this answer can kind of reflect upon the original power? From what we know involving Sean, he was willing to kill his own son for what he thought was right. So who is to say he is not willing to kill his own mother because of just how ruthless she is? We don't know what she's going to end up doing at the end of this season. We don't know what's going to come down the line in the next season. But it could easily be a situation where Raquel has to come face-to-face with her son. I don't know if she is willing to take him out. But I do know because of the history that we have with Kanan, he is willing to take out his own blood. I mean, if you look at what happened with Sean... And then if you look at what happened between Jukebox, granted, I don't think he did, he, he killed Jukebox. And so if you look at that, maybe because he's already killed, say, his mother, that he doesn't view Sean and Jukebox as anything else. He reviews it as the past. So I really wonder how their relationship is going to play out. And one of the things that you, you that's really interesting it's better, what was headed to go? It's better to be feared than loved. I think that's a huge thing with Machiavelli. And, you know, at this moment, she's not really feared right now. And if you look at it in the household dynamic, Kanan is starting to rebel a lot. Kanan is starting to get, you know, running to Uncle Marvin and whomever it is and doing its own side thing. He's not fearing her. So it was that scene that was really important when Remember when she when she came in the house and she called him by his entire name, Cain and Elijah Stark? That's when you know you're really in trouble. Because when your parents <laughs> call you by you know, all of your names, you're like, oh, shoot, I'm in trouble. That whole conversation that she that they had, it wasn't something where she he cowered in fear. It wasn't something where, like, you know, I, I should straighten up. And he just left. He left and he went to go see Comfort and Davina. And Davina wasn't there. So it was jukebox in that situation. So 
my my long stretch of what my answer is i i forgot the question but no is the answer <laughs> so no he won't react about dwiz oh no. <laughs> yes he will react about dwiz the thing is will he end up combating his mother I think that that is something that really did hurt him because when you looked at his facial expression, he was genuinely shocked and was like, "Oh my God, what did she do?" Yeah, yeah, I, I like how that scene was set up as well because we see him um, working out before that, uh, you know, before that moment, and then she strikes him. Of course, she, you know, she slaps him, um, and he takes it like he, he, he didn't. It, it looks like he didn't even feel it, um, and he was more hurt by that revelation, you know that she made so yeah I like I like her how that scene was put together um and yeah I do think the D-Wiz thing will come into play and we see um after sometime after that is when he went to go look for Davina um so I'm wondering if he was like you know looking for for some more internal closure of that whole situation um in that moment and I guess that can that's the perfect segue into my next question um, and I'm going to ask you guys, do you think Davina is gone for good or are we going to see this character return again before the season is up? Um, so hmm, I'll go to you first, Dana. What do you think? Oh, Davina is going to still be there. I mean, Davina, no. Uh, whether or not Davina has changed from the situation is more of an interesting question and an interesting answer. You know, we had her before. She was surviving as much as she can. But she had that kind of safety and protection. Now she's far away. We don't know where she's at. She's in a foster care. We know of the horror stories that comes from foster care. So we don't know whether or not that will make, well, not make, but if that will break her or if that will turn her into an entirely different character altogether. And also you have Kanan, who is, I do not think that he's going to just let this go easily. I see him searching for her. Um, will this end up being some big love story and, you know, we they're reunited in the rain and they're hugging and dancing? No, but I do see this as, as a situation where either he takes her, like I said before, he ends up taking her under his wing or she may end up being so far gone that he can't do that and that he forever loses her. But I think she has a full arc with this. She's not gone. Yeah. And, um, uh, Dana, we have like a book in common that we, we both love um, and that's called The Coldest Winter Ever by Sister Soldier and um, in that book there is, there's actually like a whole segment um, of that book where uh, you know, uh, the main character is, it, Winter is put into uh, child care um, like child services and everything and she's separated from her sisters because uh, what happens in that book is um, her father is like a drug campaign and he gets he gets busted. Oh, um, shit. The, the mother the mother gets addicted, and then oh yeah, there it is right there. Classic book, everyone. Classic book. This one um, and 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 this one because it's about oh, yeah. also what happens to the whole family dynamic when mm. one person is gone. Yeah, <clears throat> classic books. But yeah, so the point I was making is that um you know because Winter yeah. goes into child services and then she gets separated from her sisters, so. That, that baby that Davina was looking after is probably gone in the system now oh, as yeah. well, and, and they're probably separated. Um, so by the time, you know, Kanan is maybe able to locate her, 
she might be in a completely different mental space completely after what's happened Mm -hmm. uh, with her family being torn apart. But also, we know that Unique uh, was in, in, in touch with her. So maybe Unique could find her first. Um, so I'm going to go to to Richard because I'm because he, he he looks like he was going to you know say something about this. He's too, excited. But so 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 Richard, like, is Davina gone? Will we see her in the re- remainder of this season? Let us know what you think might happen. Davina is Kanan's first love, so no, the character isn't gone. You didn't see her get killed. Uh, yeah, she wasn't in this episode, but I think it's a safe bet to assume she will be back. And you literally just answered the question for me, Gary. I feel like Unique is the one that will make sure that he gets her, you know, basically she's going to come to him for, you know, to to, to comfort. Like, I understand what you both are saying, that Kanan can reach out to her and try to, you know, be in a situation where he can take care of her, have a place for her to stay. That's no way in hell that Raquel is going to let that happen now because they have a fractured relationship. Whereas Unique has money, he has some level of power, and he also is the one that, you know, she can always go to him and talk to him about whatever she needs. He made the whole promise about trying to help her mother, but was unable to because she's too far gone with the drugs. But I still see it that she would reach out to him because he has money, he has some level of power. Kane is not there yet in, in terms of having either one of those. But he doesn't really have a place that she can stay. Did she get along well with Raquel? Sure, she did. But again, Raquel right now doesn't trust Kanan, and I'm pretty sure Kanan also feels the type of way about the whole D-Wiz situation, so he probably wouldn't want her staying there either way. But yeah, to answer your question, I think Unique is the one. And, and I think that that's important to, to, to point out because once she gets close to Unique, he can continue to feed her intel, telling her how bad Kanan is. That sets up the whole dynamic that perhaps Kanan is the one that's going to have to take out Unique further down the road. So, yeah. But I think Unique is going to be the one that makes sure that he's able to get and get closer to her before Kanan ever has a chance to. I, I like your theory the best because then that creates a showdown. I mean, you already have Unique and Raquel going after each other. Now Kanan has more incentive to go after Unique as opposed to just following his mother. He done took the man's girl that he known since kindergarten. Oh, and yeah. who's to know what that dynamic of that relationship could be? So, yeah. yeah and, like and, exactly. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, that, uh, Unique is going to actually mess around with Davina, but there's just the fact that he has access to all the money and resources just to help her, just by helping her. And then, of course, again, telling her, yes, Kanan might have told you all this great stuff about himself, but there's no, you need to know the truth. This is what he's actually done. Yes, he was involved in what happened to D Wiz, all of that stuff, because he had already planted that seed earlier in the season. So, I kind of yeah. feel like if she was going to reach out to somebody, it's going to possibly, possibly, possibly be him, for sure. Yeah, and and I can even foresee a situation where um where maybe Unique um shows up to wherever you know Davina's uh, being kept, and and talks to her, and and Kanan shows up at that very moment to 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 try and find her, but then he sees her talking with uh, Unique, 
And yep. then he'll make he'll make the connection that okay, it probably was her that told him about the how the stash house. Mm-hmm. Um and then that gives, you know, Kanan more reason to, you know, wanna get at unique, which that, is his mother is gonna be doing. So that but I think you got it, Gary. That right there, but also that'll be heartbreaking for him because mm-hmm. Jukebox told him that she is the one that ratted him out. She she warned him about that. He didn't want to hear all that. So for him to see yeah. her talking to Unique, that also will break his heart. So yeah, yeah, that's that's it. You got it. And that makes for a more colder Canaan that we know of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, look at you. You're smart. <laughs> we all smart. We all smart. <laughs> but yeah, um, I can't wait to see how that unravels for sure. Because uh, that, that's definitely going to be very juicy. Um, so yeah, that leaves one more question. Uh, wait, does it? Uh, okay, yeah. So the last question I have, and and you know, this uh, probably be very quick one. We, I, I imagine we'll probably all have a similar answer, but um, we know that you know uh, Raquel went to see the new Connect. Uh, what's his name? Joaquin. Yeah. The new- the, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and he obviously saw Raquel talking to Howard earlier in the episode. You know, when Howard tried to use uh, the the situation as leverage, you know, with what Kanan did and everything. Um, so his stipulation was that you know, if like, because Raquel basically said, um, you know, she she has Howard in his pocket in her pocket. You know, he's working for her or whatever. Um, and, you know, um, Joaquin basically wants her to prove that that relationship is, as she says, and that Howard is, is you know, in her pocket and that he won't be a problem if they start working together. So I'm going to ask you guys, you know, because this is basically her homework, what she has to do. So how is she going to achieve this, do you think? Um, and I'll go with you first, Rich. Do, do you have any ideas on that? Uh, how she's going to be able to successfully work with uh, Joaquin. Um, well, here's the thing. What I find interesting about this particular episode, it, it, it teases. We already knew that, because Gary, you, you made a comment last week, that but you didn't use it in this particular context. You, you, you thought of it more along the lines of Lulu and with him trying to start up this whole music business, which the fact that, oh, the police could see that He's involved, or they'll they'll see the drug activity, the Uniques gang, and they may may, may not want to be involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt the same way with this, where Joaquin saw Howard and said, "You know what? This is probably not a good idea to work with her." But obviously, I, I, she's going to have success in, in 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 still being able to work with them to some degree. The question really is about Howard, and you know, because again, seeing Howard around. There's going to be a lot of questions that are going to start to be raised. And this is not the last time that they're going to have this conversation. I think that was the start of it. And then it may be a situation where they do work together. There is some level of success that she has working with them. But then something major happens with Howard's character, and that's impacting how they interact moving forward. Um, What I think is another point that I want to make, because it's hard to really answer the question. I do believe there's going to be tension with that. But what I also think is that the whole thing is that one thing that we didn't really address, but I think I'm sure people are probably going to mention, is that 
there is another character that we're going to have to that's going to be 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 a, a bit of a conflict in this situation and that is dean because dean is working with oh yeah he's working with unique all right mm -hmm. unique is is under he's under the impression that unique is the only one that you know he has all the product he, he's getting more profits from him so if and when raquel has success with this connect with joaquin and now this this comes into a whole situation where now you're going to have joaquin helping her to get you know once again be successful in what she's doing in her business that's going to raise flags to dean and he's going to want to know well who is well because she's not working with me who is the person she's working with and that could start a whole war between the, that that both of those groups because of that because they're trying to get control of what's happening with selling the product so that is a very interesting dynamic that i feel that they are going to explore because i feel like that actor who plays Dean, who we have also seen in The Wire, I don't feel like you'll just bring that character in and then not use him later. Like, yeah. yes, he was in a few episodes this season, two episodes in particular, right? But I feel like he has more range in what he can do and what he can bring to the whole storyline. So I don't think it's the last time that you've seen him. Maybe the last time this season, perhaps, I have no idea. But I kind of feel like, yeah, uh, if she has success working with Joaquin, that's going to cause other issues. But um, in terms of what happens with Howard, we'll have to see how everything goes moving forward. But I kind of feel like for right now, what I do like about that conversation is that she was able right away to deflect and say, well, you got to understand what I did for you, what I did for your cousin, right? Mm -hmm. I, I got her out of that bad situation. So you think that I would shoot a guy and then and then later on, I'm talking to the cops as a snitch. That's not how I operate. So I like how she turned that around immediately. But yeah. we'll see how everything go goes moving forward. Because again, the way I felt after this episode is that the family is a little bit fractured right now. And because of that, it's, it's going to create, like someone might think they have everything figured out and then they slip up and make a mistake. So I'm curious to see if there's going to be a mistake made later in regards to that business arrangement so on and so forth but yeah for right now um it can go in any way i think but definitely that the whole conversation he had about suspicion with howard that's that's not going anywhere that's going to come up again i believe so yeah. we'll see and and i'm glad you brought up dean because that's along the lines of uh you know what i was thinking about this uh, particular question so mm -hmm. we saw earlier in the season that um raquel made a move where um she you know she gave howard some intel about you know um a deal that was going down and then you know howard went down there with uh, his partner and, and some other cops and busted you know the situation we saw that earlier this season so i'm thinking she she could um to show that you know howard is under her influence she could pull another move like that and you know she could get some intel on um you know unique shipment or whatever whatever kind of deal he's, he's making and then she could tell howard about it and she could easily say you know if you do this for me and and hit this deal then i will give canaan to you i will, I will set up oh, a yeah. meeting with, with you and canaan and then you know when when howard does that she'll she can go back to joaquin and say you know i had howard pull this bust for me so this proves that you know he is under my influence <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> yeah that's great that makes a lot of sense well, 
So yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I think Gary. you could do um, with that. And that, that would be interesting to see. But um, what would you think, Dana? Do you have any thoughts on how she might play that out? Yeah, I like your theory very much of basically she using Howard and Howard just being an idiot. I also think that it's hilarious that Howard most likely will end up dying not from the cancer, <laughs> but from a bullet. <laughs> so it brings great joy to me because I just I, Howard is just annoying at this point. Him and that little partner girl, good lord, they're annoying. They're just I, always. I there. actually like the woman. I don't. I don't mind you the do? woman that much. He's just always, always with her questions and what are you doing? What's going on? Teach me. I'm your partner. Like I get it. I do. Yay. She, she's just ignorant, you know. She she doesn't know anything. Like she's, she doesn't she's know green. anything, and she's green. And she really does want to learn, and it's no shade to her. Just in general, she's just annoying. But yeah, going back with the whole Howard situation, it is going to be one of those I scratch your backs if you scratch mine. That's why I think they put in the scene where he was so adamant on meeting. Canaan and you know she he didn't tell Raquel about the bone marrow thing which I thought was the most interesting mm-hmm. part because mm-hmm. I don't think that he viewed it as being desperate because if he did say that then it would be like well you're gonna just die anyway I'm not gonna help you I'm dying of cancer well, doesn't That's it she cool. look like she would be the person well then die then hurry up yeah. like, you wouldn't exactly have a sense of someone is holding me hostage or I have to do this for someone if they're going to drop dead of cancer anyway. Like, that's and, just not what you're going to do. And, and, and by the way, just to piggyback off of what you said, Dana, uh, whenever this uh, meeting does happen and, mm-hmm. you know, Kanan is around and he's around and he's meeting Howard, et cetera, we can 100% expect that Symphony is going to show up. And this will create tension. Because <laughs> Symphony's in the doctor's office. Yeah, this will this will create tension because we already know that Symphony that he's with Raquel. So if he sees that this guy is showing up again after you know the whole incident they went through with the arrest, that gives him the mindset because he doesn't know about the backstory between you know Raquel and and him. And I and I and I also believe that that is going to come out eventually when he finds out about that. I'll be very curious to see what his reaction is going to be when he finds out. But here's the thing. I don't think that he's going to be angry for the simple fact. Symphony, not Symphony, Raquel and Howard knew each other since they were teenagers. And you cannot be angry at someone else's past when you was in there. Symphony is just brand new. I think he was literally just born yesterday on top of that as well. Mm -hmm. So you can't be angry at someone's past and the connection is that they have that they made within their past. However, I do see him taking the I'm going to still look out for Kanan. Yep. And Raquel's situation. So, yeah, I do see him right there in the hospital. He's probably one of the nurses who does the whole yeah. bone marrow transfer <laughs> at this point. You know, that, that and, and he's very much into uh, fighting the system. This is the stuff that he tells, mm-hmm. talks to Kanan about when they have the conversations. They talk about the buildings and stuff like that, but that he's very much against the system trying to hold a black man down. That's right. why I feel he will 100% be uh combative or argumentative whenever he if he sees that howard is around canaan and he just happens to be at the house or whatever then that's going to be an issue but we'll see because that could be the other part part of the juicy tidbits that we see some type of altercation between him and howard in the future so but but here was also a very interesting point about this and we go have to go back to the whole divas situation where uh, Raquel revealed that she was the one who killed Dewiz, and we kind of had like that horrific, like, oh my God, you did that. Mm-hmm. A whole look that he had. 
what better way? Because remember, after number before that, there was a scene, I think either in the previous episode or the episode before that, where she went on this kind of really adamant rant. You have nothing to do with Howard. Do not talk to him. Do not look at him. Make sure he doesn't even breathe on you. Stay away. What better way to get back at Raquel than to be buddy-buddy with Howard? And yeah, yeah. when yep. he does reveal, I'm your dad, you can, and then that will set him up even more about the whole situation with Raquel, where come on, dad, and you're just skipping down the street with him in order to piss Raquel off. So I think that, that is how the way that he can get back at Raquel is by doing it, this whole situation. It sounds to me like you just answered the question that Gary asked her earlier. Because it I takes me a while. I get there. <laughs> no, but, but that's that's excellent because I, I didn't think about that. And that makes perfect sense because right. she has been telling him to stay away from this guy. Now, you know, it's a, and, and then when if he does have that conversation with him and he tells him, oh, yeah, I'm your father, be even more angry about his right. mom and what and question what lies has she been uh, keeping from him. And so, this, yeah, that's this also, if it is true, this is how we technically would get Howard into season two. I'm going to not only be pissed you off by hanging out with him, I'm going to give you my bone marrow. And look, that's my legal father right there. My mom, you can't say anything because legally I'm also part of him. So I give my consent, even though I'm a minor, to go and give him bone marrow. And that, you could say, is how he does live if he's not murdered, which I just hope that one shoots him eventually. Wouldn't that be something if he, like, makes it through the whole thing? You can't so free, and then he's shot. Anyway, so... <laughs> I think that that would be a more impactful way to get back at Raquel than just to say, oh, I hate you and walk out the house. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And, and one one last point that I want to make before, because I know I went, went a little off topic, uh, because you mentioned that, though, I figured I might as well say this. Uh, I, I agree that it would be great to see if Kanan was able to save Howard's life. I don't think that's going to happen. But if it doesn't happen, it, it could be a situation where Unique is the one that kills Howard. So not only does Unique, to go to what I said earlier, not only does Unique now has he been getting information from Davina, but to kill the guy who just admitted to you, oh, yeah, this is your father. Now that makes the showdown even more uh, interesting between Kanan and Unique. So, yeah. And, 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 and one thing that we do have to mention is that you know even in regular power, Ghost and 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 uh and Tommy they look up to Kanan. Kanan is revered as the guy that taught him everything. So there has to be something that happens in Kanan's life where he ends up getting that reputation. What better way for it to be if he was the one that took out Unique? What better way if he also took out Unique and his mother? Oh, that's because like I would respect. Yeah, okay. If you look at Unique, and that's a, I hate comparing everything to the Wire, but if you look at just the way the dynamics of how it's played on the street, literally you could die at any moment just because of what it is that you do. A five-year-old could basically shoot you in the store as you're buying a lollipop, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, I'm the king of New York." So yeah. I would have seen that played out. So you would have. I think that it would be more impactful if yeah, you killed Unique. Great, but you killed your own mom. That makes you more cold-blooded. I would think so. And someone who has, you know, a, a, this reputation where the streets still think that you are the father, the son of Defcom, and and you're 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 the son of Defcom who took out Raquel, who is the baddest woman running the streets. 
And then you have someone like a baby Tommy and a baby a ghost running around and they're looking up to you. And they also kind of fear you because remember the whole thing in season one was they both had to turn on Kanan together in order to get him put in prison for him to be, in order to get rid of him, he had to go to jail mm-hmm. so they can take his spot. So wouldn't that something because you would kind of fear that retaliation. So just randomly thinking, I think that it would be more impactful if he, not to say now, but later on, if he killed um, his mother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think that could be the case. That could be how, you know, raising Canaan ends, you know, like the, the <laughs> entire series finale. That could be, you know, how it ends, I think. So, uh, so yeah. And, and it's, also now, it's also a reflection of you had to re kill his father. Canaan killed his mom. So, here's mm-hmm. a question, though, Gary. Don't laugh. So, if, 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 so if Canaan kills his mom, does the, is the show still called Raising Canaan? Then it's, then it's going to be cool. It's going to be called Canaan's raised at that moment. <laughs> Canaan yeah. raised. That's that's the sequel. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, I definitely think. Um, I know we always say this, but I think we have to see Ghost and Tommy soon. You know, eventually. So yeah, eventually. So yeah. Maybe but. season, maybe season two or season three. If season season get- three, give me three, give four, maybe four, because if you kind of look at how season three of of um, Tariq's show is going, maybe it needs a little bit more breathing room. So I say four. Uh, yeah, yeah I, w- I would say season three for sure. They have to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, great points, great questions um, and answers. Um, was there anything else you guys wanted to bring up really quickly before we uh, sign off on, on this episode? Uh, no, I, I just want to say, yeah, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed uh, this conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's important for everyone to know whenever we record these shows, we don't talk about the show prior to recording. So all of this is just our instant reactions to the episode. So and. I thought it was a great conversation. I think the show was great, and I appreciate everybody that's been leaving comments, likes, and sharing their thoughts on, on the show. We, we really appreciate the support. And and I also, equally, you all are excellent. You also give excellent feedback as well as you also say some stuff in your comments that I didn't really think about. So excellent job as always, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts on this episode as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I I really love the audience that uh you know listens and comments because because you know they even like we we go deep with with our uh, analysis of of the episodes, but they they a lot of times they bring up stuff that we didn't even cover as well mm-hmm. or we didn't bring up. So I really like that aspect of you know the engagement that we get. So so thank you to everyone. Um, and Dana, was there anything you wanted to bring up really quickly before we uh get to the shoutouts? She's uh muted. I'm I'm sorry. I had to go and get my 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 notes. Um, <laughs> aside from just saying overall, Marvin sucks right now. Um, <laughs> I I did want to say that um, the, the whole show just right now in general is really I really like what they're going towards it, and the fact that this episode in particular is seeding so much doubt into the minds of all of the characters. 
Well, you had Raquel is the one that's questioning her brother's loyalty. You have Canaan questioning, you know, her, his mother's actions. You have Howard questioning whether or not he's able to see his son and how serious Raquel is going to take him. And I really feel that Howard may end up doing something really desperate in order to get Canaan's attention. We had the whole situation nobody really touched upon was when um, the girl, uh, sorry, Jukebox was arrested for breaking and entering and scaring them white peoples and had a police came and he she got off. Remember, there was a phone call that was made to those specific officers that said, leave her alone, drop her off. And they literally stopped where they were and they dropped her off. I think that we didn't address that. What that to me, I feel that that was um, Coward who pulled that call, right? Was yeah. it Howard or was it the female? The, the female, female detective. It was the female detective. Yeah, yeah. So associated with Howard. But mm -hmm. the fact that we didn't get kind of the scene between the female detective and um, I don't know why I'm mixing up with Jukebox. The reason I think that we didn't have a conversation between the two um, may have been because she's able to put together two and two and to know that you know, jukebox is associated with Kanan. Kanan was the one who was selling the drugs. Why is she breaking into this white girl's house? Maybe she's the one who can actually bring understanding. And as you guys said before, be that mentor to uh, jukebox that she needs, but not just a mentor, but a friend. And this whole episode, she genuinely needed someone who's not maybe necessarily in that environment to say, you know, this is just how the way things are. That's just the way it is, but to someone who can give her a different point of view. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that will allude to her why she ends up becoming a police officer. I also wonder if she ends up becoming a police officer. We have the whole situation with the drugs and wanting to change her environment, but also as kind of, you know how we do things in dedication of someone who may have ended up dying? So you have also um, Nicole, but who's to say the female cop is not doesn't end up dying in some kind of line of duty that maybe ends up involving the family or maybe not because cops are killed by people all the time. So that could also be like, I'm going to follow your footsteps in your honor to want to honor Nicole and to honor what ends up happening to this female police officer. Not to say she's not going to die right away, but, you know, maybe later on in other seasons, she has to be mentored first by her. But this kind of small act of kindness, even though she was in such a grieving state where when they let her out of the car, she just didn't know what to do. Because you, you can see that she wasn't fully there mentally because of just how, how the way she was. But later on down the line, I do feel that that one scene will have an impact on her and the show probably going forth. Who's to say that jukebox doesn't get completely out of the whole situation, you know, where she completely removes herself from her family. We know the whole part with Marvin ends up throwing her out only because of what we saw in power, but we don't know how that is fully played out or how that female detective may end up helping her in that way. So I think there's a lot of questions that they raised that I found that it was just, they did a lot of little tiny insertions and little tiny details that kind of puts a lot of different thoughts into people's minds. So I really appreciated overall what they did with this. Um, I'm pretty sure I talked way too much, but this was just a really great episode. Yeah, yeah, great point there. Um, and yeah, that is another thing that happened in the, that episode, you know, with uh, 
jukebox uh the, somebody put in a call to have her released and i i think we'll uh we just probably didn't see the uh payoff for that moment yet i think we'll see it in the next episode so yeah um yeah i look forward to that oh and then one more really quickly thing did anyone else was reminded of suge knight when um was it unique went over to what was it? not famous to 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 the other crown machacho what is his name uh crown. the one who crown the crown guy and did it not feel like a whole shakedown with suge knight kind of situation like no i'm, I'm gonna own this company we're in partnership uh, lulu. lulu sorry i couldn't mixing up everyone i'm really bad at this yeah, like, but yeah, yeah there was there was a lot of that going on. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of like dodgy dealing in in the hip hop music just, industry back then. Just kind of overall, it was like, oh, that's yeah. a should night situation. But yeah, I like that. Yeah, but a hundred percent, rightfully so, because this guy has been taking advantage of him. Oh yeah, have him pay for it. Have, he could pay for this, that. Yeah, so he, rightfully so. That's that's a boss move. Yeah, you making sure I'm making sure I'm gonna get a return on my investment. <laughs> yeah that that uh that situation also kind of happened with a uh, murder inc like there was a uh you know if it, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people know the history i don't want to get too deep into it but uh but there was like a a, a big street legend who kind of you know um he 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 basically extorted murder inc and became like a big part of how the label was run and that that led to the issue 50 cent had with ja Rule and them because because he he really had beef with that guy <laughs> Um, but but yeah, so yeah, that it was good to see that because that is something that was big back then in, in the nineties. Uh, but um, but yeah, let's uh, get straight into our shout outs, and then uh, that's it for for this week. So, uh, Rich, you got any shout outs? Shout out to the both of you. Uh, excellent show as always. Fun conversation. Uh, thank you to Stars for always giving us the opportunity to cover the show. And to, of course, all of the fans, the, the fans of power, but also the people who support this show. We definitely appreciate your comments. Uh, feel free to leave your thoughts on some of the questions we went over today and look forward to uh, recording next week. Okay. Dana, any shouts? Yeah, basically to kind of reiterate everything that uh, Richard said, but thank you to everyone who watches and supports us. Uh, thank you for STARS for putting together such a great show and finding, you know, people who can actually write and act. Great improvement <laughs> overall in the Power Universe. This makes me really excited for Tommy because this, this show seems to just grow with each installment, which how much it improves. So now I'm looking forward to what more it has to offer and also including with Tommy, which is a whole different direction that we'll later get onto when it's time for the Tommy show. But yeah, overall, just thank you for everyone who supports us and forgive me for my rambling. I'm like 30 shows. I get characters' names all completely confused. Oh, it's no problem. It's, it's a lot to remember. And, and you've been watching like 50 TV shows 50 or something. TV like shows. So. <laughs> I did a great job of not mixing this up with uh, BMF. But yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I just want to, you know, give a big shout also to our listenership, the people who listen on Spotify, iTunes, um, and, you know, people who watch on YouTube, um, and everyone who supports the show and comments and likes and subscribes and everything. Uh, big shouts to all of you. Uh, definitely take some time to check out some of the other content we have also. You know, we cover games, uh, other TV shows like The Walking Dead. Uh, we got some wrestling stuff and everything as well. So yeah, uh, take your time to to check out. I saw some of the uh, somebody who comments on Power actually checked out our latest uh, gaming podcast as well. So so that was good to see. 
Um, but yeah, um, shouts to, to everyone. And, and I do also want to give a big shouts to stars also, you know, for, uh, for being so supportive, um, as well of, of what we do and everything. So, and yeah, um, the, the content they have coming, you know, it's looking great. Um, and I, I can't wait to see more of what's coming, you know, like, like Dana just mentioned with the, the Tommy force show that's coming. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, obviously we have book two season two coming, um, November. In, in uh november mm -hmm. um and yeah I, I i can't wait for for what what else is to come in the future so um big shouts two stars and uh yeah that's pretty much it for this week we will be back next week to recap episode nine and until then take care everybody peace